Oh, listen, dear one, I am thrilled to announce I have a brand new private coaching container opening up called Full Immersion Coaching. This is you and me working together privately as I become your mentor and soul guide for an entire year, providing you with the full support you need to grow a massively successful and prosperous heart-led business. To get all the details, DM me on Facebook or Instagram or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Hey there, this is Allison Scammell. And today's episode is on a topic that every soul-guided entrepreneur has grappled with in their business at least once or twice, and that is imposter syndrome. Today, I speak to Dr. Amina Aitzi-Selmi about how to overcome imposter syndrome. And we decided a more fitting title was Transforming the Imposter Phenomenon. And we'll explain what that means. We also explore the biggest misperception about imposter syndrome that Dr. Amina sees in her work, the message imposter syndrome has for us from the collective consciousness, how cool is that? And Dr. Amina's top strategy for transforming the imposter phenomenon so you can show up in your business with confidence and authenticity. We end on a challenge that will have you stepping into and remembering the truth of who you are and what you have to offer the world, so stick with us until the end. Welcome to She Grows, a podcast for soul-guided women entrepreneurs ready to be seen and get fully booked using their unique genius, intuitive voice, and spirit guides. Each week, We'll explore how to create offerings based on what you do best so you can have a wait list of ideal clients and bring in continuous income. I'm your host, Allison Scamble. Let's get growing. Hey there, She Grows Nation. That is the name of this sisterhood of soul-guided entrepreneurs. Today, We're talking to Dr. Amina Aitzi-Selmi about imposter syndrome. Dr. Amina is a born healer. She's had a 15 plus year career as a doctor, scientist, and health policy advisor, working with the UK Department of Health, World Health Organization, and United Nations. And since 2016, as a transformational coach. Today, she works with individuals and groups to free themselves of doubt and systemic limitation and helps them activate their true mission, elevate their career, and step into sacred leadership. I love that. My discussion with Dr. Amina changed the whole way I view imposter syndrome, and may you receive as much from her wisdom as I did. I'm so excited to be talking about this very, very important topic, imposter syndrome, with Dr. Amina Aitzi-Selmi. Welcome, Amina, to the show. Thank you, Alison. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, gosh. So I'm going to start by just digging right into the topic, and then I will ask you a little bit more about your background. But let's start with how you define imposter syndrome. Right. Um, I don't really have a definition uh, that's my own. I, I go with the one that uh, kind of makes sense to me from 
the original research that was done, so Dr. Klantz and Imes, I can't remember their full names, Pauline Klantz, I think they wrote the original paper and coined that term. Um, and I believe they describe it as um, a sense of being a fraud and of not being able to see your own achievements and successes. Oh, <laughs> that's just a great definition. <laughs> I think, yeah, they, they, um, they were clearly quite passionate about this because they, they did a big study on it. I see it so often in my clients and certainly I've struggled with it myself in the past. So I would be, I'm just curious to know if there is any common misperception or misunderstanding you encounter in your work about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I think um, one of the things that um, can, can be a sticking point with imposter syndrome is that people think that there's something wrong with them. So it's another thing that I need to fix about myself. I have imposter syndrome. Um, I even had a client who uh, doesn't even call it imposter syndrome. So she specializes in, in imposter syndrome, but she calls it imposter phenomenon because she doesn't want it to be uh, medicalized or to be seen as a, you know, as, as a pathologist, something that's wrong with you. She's called Dr. Terry Simkin, and she's great if your, your audience is interested um, in looking up uh, some of her work. So I would say that taking it as another flaw, another problem is potentially not helpful. So that, that's kind of what I, that's what I would say about that. I would also say that it might just be a new archetype rather than something that's wrong with you. It's more of an archetype in our new in our collective consciousness that's maybe from the industrial era or something. The sense of fraudulence or phoniness or not being who other people think you are has a deeper layer to it, possibly, because we are cut off from ourselves. We're cut off from nature. We're cut off from our sort of natural more natural instinctual or intuitive self, let's put it the more intuitive self. And so it makes sense in a way that we feel like uh, a little phony or a little cut off or like we're not really who we we think we are. So yeah, that's, a, that's another angle. I'm curious as to your views, but I would say to everyone, please don't think there's something wrong with you. This is something that a lot of people are feeling. It's something that's probably in our culture now in the collective consciousness. Um, and it has a message for us, which um, I'm happy to talk about. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely want to hear about that. You know, I never really thought about it that way before about it being part of the collective and part of us being cut off from our our intuition, our higher self. But it makes sense to me. It makes complete sense. And especially as you describe it, that's really fascinating. I also love the idea of not seeing it as a flaw. And I want to, I want to hear the message it has for us. That's so fascinating to me. As I heard you speaking, the other thing that came to me is when I think especially for the soul-guided entrepreneurs who feel a calm they feel a higher service to people on the planet. It's that calling that drives them to heal or coach or paint or write. And then in the process, at some point, they have to sell themselves or their product or whatever, whatever, you know, they have to shift into that selling. And I think it's that selling often that makes them feel like the imposter more than say the writing or the drawing, you know, uh, for some, some feel, I think, imposters in, in both areas, you know, um, for, for a variety of reasons. But that, that's another thing that came to me as you were talking, but we can get back to that before we do. I want to hear about this message. Yeah, sure. I just want to add also the, the distinction in response to what you said, um, and especially because your audience is, is soul guided and spirit guided that I think it's important then or to, to be able to distinguish between the sort of ego repair work where we're kind of trying to give ourselves 
positive messages as an antidote maybe to the imposter type messages that we hear in our heads uh, versus um, going beyond ego, ego transcendence or, um, you know, going back to our essence or our awareness rather than uh, trying to repair the ego. So then we can move away from there's something wrong with me and I need to make it better and I need to sort of pump myself up, uh, which can work, you know, even in sales or in marketing or whatever, it can work, um, but it's not the ultimate solution. So then we get to the deeper message, like, well, what is going on? Um, and then we can look at something more specific, like what are the beliefs? Uh, what are the narratives that are in our culture, in our, in our, that have become embedded in our collective consciousness that need to be seen clearly so that we can let go of them and move past them? Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I imagine your audience is, is completely, <laughs> completely um, gets what I'm talking about. Well, yes. And uh, yes. And I think it's really fascinating to unpack these issues a little bit to get that deeper level understanding. So you said uh, a minute ago, Amina, that, that we are collectively struggling or experiencing some form of imposter syndrome. What is the message do you believe that imposter syndrome has or the imposter phenomenon, I like that, has for us? So let's say the message, the, the negative aspect of it is you're not good enough or you're not as good as you think or something like that. Uh, then the deeper layer or the positive aspect or what the, the, what it's trying to remind us of is to remember who we really are. So it's, it's not even a, um, a verbal message. It's more of a shift. It's calling us to, to pay attention. So when those negative thoughts arise of I'm not good enough or this isn't really me or I, I was I was all luck, I shouldn't be here. When we start to, I mean, it requires awareness even just to realize that's what you're thinking and that's what's making you feel bad or feeling like an imposter. Then to see that as a signal to remember the truth or to remember something truer and deeper and to see maybe a wider perspective that perhaps collectively over the industrial era or a certain period of time, uh, we all became socialized and we had to sort of cut ourselves off from certain aspects of ourselves to fit in, right? And to be efficient in society and to produce things and um, see that wider perspective clearly. Um, so we can, I don't know if it's heal or just come back to something more wholesome, something healthier, um, that's truer to who we are as a as a collective species. Yeah, that's beautiful. So take us through how that would show up potentially with a soul guided entrepreneur who is saying she wants to launch a new service or a new product and she's excited about it. And she's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put this out to my audience. But then there's this little voice in her head that says, you know what? You're not good enough. This is a pretty big launch. This is a big idea. Who are you to think? that you could launch this thing. You're just not good enough. Yeah. What? And she, she hears that voice. What does she do next when she, when she hears the voice? So there are different tools. So maybe a simple tool is a sort of mindfulness tool that you can use. And, uh, you know, I recognize that fear. A lot of the people I work with, my clients have that fear. It's, it's called a fear of visibility. Maybe I just want to acknowledge that recognizing that is already a step uh, shedding light on the, the negative thoughts or the dark side, the shadow that's coming up is already a big 
steps. So well done if you're already noticing that, right? Congratulate yourself for noticing that. That already should shift it a bit or release you from it a bit. Um, and the four R's is mindfulness tool, which is recognize, and you've already done that, so yay. Um, refrain. So refrain from the habitual conditioning that you would normally use. So if you were, if you would just give up, then just pour, you know, don't do that just now. Don't give up just yet. If it means you overdo it and you decide, no, no, I need to work a bit more on it and then end up wasting more time trying to perfect this thing when it could have already gone out, then refrain from that. So the second R is refrain from your usual response or reaction rather. Then there's relax. So take a deep breath and come back. Re remember who you are. You are the calm, still core within your awareness, your consciousness. Let that be who you really are. And from there, you can create, you can, your actions can flow more naturally. So relax. Adding more tension is not going to help. So really take a deep breath. Maybe go for a walk, maybe have a cup of tea, give yourself some, some nurturing. And then the final R is resolve. So by that stage, something will occur to you. You might remember, you know what? I'm such a perfectionist and this is unnecessary. Or you just find yourself pressing the button <laughs> and it's gone. You've posted your, your thing or you've sent the email to launch to your list. So that's the four R's tool. Nice. So we've got recognize, refrain, relax and resolve. I love that. I want to ask another question about number three, relax. Cause you said, you said a fifth R, which you mentioned earlier, the remember, relax and remember. Do you have any additional ways in which you shift yourself into that remembering, like really giving yourself that space to remember who you really are? I use a thing called the happy process. So the five questions that question limiting beliefs. Um, I was very inspired by Byron Katie with that process. I call it the high achiever paradox transformation process. So it's just really taking that thought. I mean, again, identifying the thought is the first step. That's like a whole achievement on its own. And then taking some time to really see through that thought. You don't have to replace it with a, a positive one. It's not about affirmations. It's about, it's about the mind seeing itself or you're seeing the game. You're seeing that thing that's happening and then you can move past it. You see through it. And what happens is your energy shift and that relaxes. Some, some, some tensions released and you're relaxed. The, your physiology, your muscles, your, your body relax. So the mind sees through the the assumption the belief the lie and that creates a release of tension in the body and so the whole system reaches a new calmer state um that started with kind of questioning uh, identifying and then really questioning the thought behind the imposter feeling beautiful and it sounds like the an easy way, because as you mentioned, there's a lot of different ways to get to this place, but an easy way to help you get to that awareness and that questioning and that identifying is starting with just relax, mm -hmm. relax, deep breath. Yeah. Uh, I just want to add, you're managing your, your energy. You're really managing your fundamental physiology by breathing, right? Um, you're just by breathing, you're 
resetting your physiology from a fight flight response, for example, to just, you know, I'm just sitting here in front of my laptop. There's no immediate threat to my life. So I'm curious, generally speaking here, if you notice men and women, do we experience imposter phenomenon differently? Yeah. You know, I, I work mostly, um, I'd say 70% of my clients are women. So I can't, I can't say I have a balanced sample. So I don't want to pr- make any pronouncements on that. I know the research, um, especially the re- original research seemed to find that it was more common amongst women. But I believe there are other papers that find it's the same. It seems like there's a lot of writing out there in the personal growth realm that that suggests that women struggle with this more particularly. Getting getting back to social the social conditioning that women have received, and that men will uh, take on a new endeavor like starting a business with greater confidence. And I was just wondering. Like, is that true? What all those articles are saying? Do we need to question this? So I was just curious if you you had an opinion. I would say that it it, may, it depends on how you define it. If you define it as a sense of underestimating your abilities, then I'd say that the, the research supports that women tend to think to underestimate themselves more than men. But if you see it as a sort of a more more fundamental thing, like a sense of not being good enough, because that's implanted uh, through socialization, then you could say that it's just different forms. So women believe they're not good enough. And so they overgive and they overcare and they rescue and they minimize their talents and they're quiet and they don't speak up and they don't want to be visible. And for men, they think they're not good enough. So they overcompensate and they show how amazing they are and they over over talk their achievements and they blow their own trumpet. Um, so it's the root cause is the same. But it looks different. So it depends how you define imposter phenomenon or imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's really interesting. I can totally see that. Thank you for that. Okay. I want to also talk a little bit about um, your background. Um, I can relate to your background. We have some similarities happening in our experience and um, what led us to becoming coaches. So we both became coaches in 2016, which is pretty cool. And before that, um, worked in government and intergovernment, and it looks like you worked. Did you ever work in nonprofit? I did work for Médecins Sans Frontières for a few months. Oh, that's right. You said that. Yes. So, um, Amina has an incredibly amazing career that I talked about um, in the introduction um, and in in healthcare um, and as a health policy advisor. And so you were, before we started recording, you were talking about how, about some of the challenges that you experienced in your mid-career change to a coach. So, and I really related to that. So um, I was wondering, did you have feelings of imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon when you did that mid-career pivot? Yeah, 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 Uh, of course. And I think we, yeah, the metaphor of the ladder uh, is what came up in our pre-conversation. So um, if we pick that up again, then uh, it, you're, you're climbing this ladder, and I was—I felt, you know, I was kind of—I thought I was at the top of this ladder, and then I realized I think I want to climb another ladder. Uh, and so then you have to decide: Are you going to jump straight onto some kind of other ladder at the same level and keep going up, or are you going to jump and fall flat and have to start again from the bottom, or is there some other version? I think you, you use this metaphor of how ladders can crisscross. Um, so that might be the more accurate metaphor if you're jumping 
from one career to another. Uh, but it definitely felt at times, even deliberately at times, I thought, I, I don't want to be on this ladder anymore. I'm done with that ladder. Uh, I'm going to climb, you know, I'm going to be on this other ladder now. And then you feel like, okay, you're going to have to start again from scratch. But the truth is, um, I'm sure um, your, your audience will identify with, with this, especially those who are further along, that you bring so much across from one ladder to another. So you're never really starting from scratch. Uh, but of course, imposter phenomenon will interfere. Um, if you pick up or if you pick up that imposter narrative, then you won't see that. So it's, um, it's helpful to spend some time thinking, well, what am I bringing over from one ladder to another? And if you, if you, you know, use your tools or four R's or whatever, just to make sure that imposter thoughts don't interfere, you'll find you have got a treasure trove of, of, of career, um, wealth or career capital, skills, knowledge, experience, uh, as well as sort of innate talent that you're bringing over. So you're never really starting from scratch. And that's something I learned eventually. Yes. That is so great. I love the ladder metaphor and I relate to it so much. And I, I definitely felt like when I went from, you know, international development and humanitarian relief to coaching, I really thought like it was a 180 and I was completely starting from scratch. And one of the biggest things I struggled with, and I, I ended I got to the point in that old career that I was very unhappy and I realized that I was sort of doing everything for status and a paycheck and I felt very hollow on the inside. So when I moved over to coaching, I felt I definitely didn't have a paycheck. I wasn't earning really any money when I first started coaching and I felt like I'd lost my status. And I think that really triggered that I'm not good enough. I don't have status anymore. And that was something I really struggled with for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's a perception, right? It's not, what is, what a status, like it's made up in our heads, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, especially because coach is such a sort of a nebulous, um, thing. Like, what is that? <laughs> so, so that adds a bit more, a bit more of a challenge. Yes. Absolutely. So let's just talk about that for a second, because I feel like it, I, my clients struggle with it too. Just that how imposter syndrome is related to status and that um, my status isn't good enough, but as you're right, it's just perception, right? Um, so what if a listener has just um, did a mid-career pivot and now they were, you know, they were doing something in corporate and they had like a really cool VP of something title and now they're like writer <laughs> and they just have a hard time showing up as a writer because they just feel like that's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, use your four R's and question that thought. That's the bottom line. You know, you can just hang out with people who are on the similar path. You can support each other, encourage each other, do all that stuff. But ultimately, the you know, to get to the root cause, use your mindfulness and question the thoughts. It's the same thing, right? I'm not good enough. And then you can attach anything you want to it. I'm not a good enough tree, right? <laughs> Uh, it not, doesn't happen. It is so ridiculous when you think about it. How can you be not, a not good enough tree? Uh, well, although I'm sure, you know, if you've got really good imposter syndrome, you can find ways of saying, yeah, there are some trees that aren't good enough. <laughs> I'm not good enough oxygen. I'm not a good enough oxygen molecule. It just doesn't make sense. But that belief can attach itself to anything. That's, that's a great way to look at it. One thing that sort of helped me too was there was a coach that I was following when I first 
started and she, she had a pretty good following then and she's grown hugely since then. So she's a pretty big coach now. Susan Hyatt, back when I first became a coach, she was much smaller than she is now. She grew fast. And I think one of the reasons she's grown so fast is, and, and back at the time, when I first became a coach, I thought, well, it's not the problem is the words life coach. It's like you said, coach, it's too nebulous. It's not snappy enough. So I was trying to find all these very catchy, snappy ways to describe the type of coach I was. And I just couldn't, it just wasn't landing. And then I noticed that she would say, I'm a life coach with so much confidence and so much conviction. And I was just like, yeah. And she made it sound like she was the CEO of a Fortune 500 company with that much confidence. And that's how her audience received it. She's now uh, you know, working towards a eight-figure business growing very quickly. And it's been quite extraordinary to watch her growth because like, I think one of her superpowers is her confidence. And I realized that the words just don't matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The words just don't matter, you know? And so um, the, the, the exercise in there or the trick, I think, is maybe uh, a little thing to try is to find someone who's just, you feel like is a couple steps ahead of you, but in a, a peer. So in your, in the, a peer within your, uh, whatever it is you sell and who is a couple steps ahead of you, but you see them showing up with confidence. And I think sometimes that's kind of like, uh, and there's something inspiring about it. And it's kind of, that gets to that point. Well, if they can do it, I can do it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's much more sensible to work with people who are, uh, you know, you can, they can relate to you. You can relate to them. They understand what you're going through. You can sort of pick up things without thinking, well, that's way too far. So absolutely. Nice. So, um, Another question I had for you is, have you identified any ways in which imposter syndrome holds us back and we don't even realize it? Well, that's most of the time. That's what's happening most of the time. That not not good enough feeling is so rooted. It's what's happening most of the time, I would say. Yeah. So it's basically just... um, When we have that, I'm not good enough, it kind of, it's not like it just shows up when we're going to speak before our audience, like do say a Facebook live or something. It's just, it's, um, well, it might, it might intensify. Like if it's a new situation, if it's a new project, if it's someone you really admire, suddenly meets, of course it's going to, uh, there's a more intensity there, but it, you know, it can show up in, um, like I was talking to someone the other day. It's just little things like, uh, oh, I think I want, a, I think I'd like this kind of, you know, uh, I want a cup of tea, but uh, I know I could have a coffee as well. If you want a cup of tea, you want a cup of tea, but there's a little bit of imposter syndrome going on there thinking, well, maybe I don't deserve to have my choice on it. And so I should just, you know, play it, be, be, you know, be smooth, be, be um, cool. <laughs> just I'll have whatever. I have no needs or wants of my own. So that, that, that's a more subtle form. And then I, I guess then you're, you're getting into what is imposter syndrome? Is it really a thing or is it just some kind of facet of our culture or a manifestation in our psyche of something that's going on in the, the socialization in our culture? And, um, so I would say the more uh, you know, interesting thing is what you're not aware of. That's why you, you have to have your practices. That's, you know, that's why there's a part, you know, it's a commitment. Do you want to be, be someone who's constantly 
um, is committed to awareness and to liberating themselves from unhelpful conditioning, you know, which is a day-to-day lifelong thing. It's not a one-off thing. So the more interesting is the, the bits you're not seeing that can be mirrored to you through a coach or a mentor or really other sort of aware human beings. You know, I think, um, I think when I thought of imposter syndrome before this conversation, I thought, you know, yeah, getting back to the definition you offered at the beginning, that made a lot of sense to me. This feeling of being a fraud, this feeling of uh, not um, being able to see the gifts that you have to give. But what I find fascinating is how to, that it's heart, at least how I'm perceiving it, how it's tied to self-worth. That's just so much deeper than being a fraud, I think. Again, I think I'd make a distinction between sort of ego repair work and ego transcendence work. Ego repair is just kind of getting a bit of a balance, like cutting, you know, out the sort of brunt of self-loathing and anxiety or self-attack and uh, self-criticism and trying to replace them with positive messages just so you can get a bit of a handle on stuff versus ego transcendence, which is what are we beyond any kind of thought or belief, whether it's positive or negative, right? What are we, what's our natural basic goodness? So it's not, um, you can call it self-worth, but with self-worth, there's still some kind of self, right? There's an object, subject and an object. There's uh, there's something and there's something that's being, that's worthy. Whereas our true self is just awareness, consciousness. It's just kind of basic natural energy or something that's connected to everything else in, uh, in the universe. So it's less discrete. It's not separate. It's not a separate thing that needs to be built up. It's not, a f- and, and again, moving away from this thing, there's a flawed thing that needs to be repaired. There is, you know, moving beyond that into your natural basic goodness. There's no word for it. It's, it's all, that's all language, right? And you're, you speak several languages, so you know <laughs> language is subjective. Well, I would tend to call that soul or higher self or... Um... Those are the words that resonate with me, but I something I often say is find that word that resonates with you to define that thing that is, yeah. I would say there's something even beyond, I mean, it depends again how you define it. If you define higher self or soul as sort of universal consciousness, um, then I'd, I'd say that's the, the, the ground of everything. But if you define, I think there may be a layer, right, between sort of consciousness that's completely neutral sort of thing, um, there's no good or bad, uh, ego, where there's total judgment and separation and uh, distinction between good and bad or, or uh, separate uh, kind of classification. Um, and then something in between that I might call your es- your unique essence or your soul or 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 it's like um the interface between this sort of consciousness that's wordless, shapeless, objectless, formless, um, and the harder sort of material psychology and and bo- sort of mind body sort of system. And if we operate from soul or essence or higher self, life is much smoother in a way, there's more flow, it's more creative, there's more sort of the qualities of beauty, of truth, of love, maybe not. Yeah, it's that subtle interface. Um, You can be a bit more on the ego side or a bit more on the consciousness side. And so that's how I would conceive of that. But again, I would say I would personally, I would distinguish between even that, which starts to be a form of some kind and completely formless kind of awareness. It doesn't require anything from you, complete as it is. Mm. 
Yes, yes, yes. So, um, Amina, would you be able to uh, leave our listeners with a challenge? A challenge? Oh, I hadn't thought of any, I hadn't thought of anything. So this is completely improvised. Um, it's an exercise um, I learned from I think it was Lisa Nicole, or you know, when you're just kind of browsing through and you come across something. But I find it really helpful. Uh, you just write down. You really inventory all of your current active negative beliefs. So write them all down and you write them in pencil, like I'm not good enough or I don't have the skills. I'm not an expert who would listen to me. People are going to hate this. People are going to laugh at me. They're going to think it's ridiculous. All of it. Write it all down uh, and then sit down and take each one and uh, have a cup of tea with each one of those and take it through the process. Is it true? I'm, oh, by the way, I'm happy to share um, the happy process if people, if your audience wants it, um, I can send you a link um, that they can use with, with each of these beliefs just to, to ask these five questions and just put each one through and release themselves from it just by, ask, by asking the five questions and do it preferably under a tree or somewhere where you feel held um, by something bigger uh, and then write what comes out in pen and the idea is that you can erase the pencil and just keep the one that's written in pen and really, you know, go, go for it, write them all down. You'll feel emotional because you'll feel the emotions of those thoughts. Um, and that's a good sign because it means you're really digging deep and be patient and j- just go through it. I kept the, the ones that are written in pencil because uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the original one kind of also, also kind of preventive because you you can see the original, it's like the scar reminds you. Um, so I've kept them both the pencil and the pen version. Beautiful. What a great challenge. I love the idea of having a cup of tea <laughs> with them. And I also love the idea of like sitting under a tree or getting out, doing it out in nature. That is really powerful. Love it. So please tell us how can our listeners find you and connect and learn more about you and your work? Yeah, thank you. So they can go to drmina.com, which is my website and find everything um, they might want to find there. There are links there to social media channels, um, LinkedIn and Facebook are mostly where I am. Fantastic. And that link will be in the show notes. And Dr. Amina, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and giving us, a, to me, I found to be a different and super profound and impactful view of how to see uh, imposter syndrome and how to shift and transform into something better and truer. So I'm really, really grateful for you taking the time to share your wisdom with us. Thank you, Alison. It was a pleasure. I want to thank you so much for listening. And if you're loving this episode, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever it is you listen. And I'd be super grateful for a rating and review so more people can find us. And if you'd like help calling in your ideal clients, then download my free checklist to identify and remove the five visibility blocks that are preventing them from finding you. Your offerings are too important to remain invisible, so this checklist will help you be seen and get fully booked. You can find a link to download on my website, alisonscammell.com, as well as in the show notes.